Welcome back to another episode of the Passionate Stewardship Podcast, a podcast for helping professionals who strongly believe in supporting their community and the humans who live there. I am your host, Dr. Sherry. So you want to start a podcast and have established your why and who. Congratulations. (laughs) You are serious about this nonprofit. Now, it's time to start using the information and research that you've gathered during the defining your why phase to create your what. So I have clients define their why before anything else because it allows you to research the existing landscape to ensure there is a need for your nonprofit service. Even if there is something in your community similar, you know how to tailor it to kind of meet what the other nonprofit may be lacking. Identify similar organizations. It helps, that's what researching your landscape does. It helps you identify similar organizations, potential beneficiaries, and the legal or regulatory requirements for your cause. Now, if you need a list of the why, head back on over to episode 37 and then come back to this one. Because this is the thing. I want you to know and also have researched and defined your why. You've gotten to this place for a reason. You want to start a nonprofit for a reason. You're passionate about this for a reason. So I want you to hone in on your who, which is you, your why. And I want you to be confident that you got this. So if you are, the time has come for you to begin to create some internal stuff so you can get your nonprofit established. So, you know, grab your notebooks. And if you're driving and you don't have your notebooks, just come back and listen to episode 39 at another time. Okay. So the first thing is define your mission and vision. Clearly articulate the purpose of your nonprofit. What problem or issue do you aim to address? What impact do you want to achieve? Your mission, vision, and purpose will guide your organization's activities and also decision-making. Like someone should be able to look, not look, but read your mission and know what it is that your organization does. Your mission statement is one to three sentences describing your organization's why, who, and how. Again, someone should easily be able to look at your mission statement and know exactly what it is that you do for the community. Next is your vision. And that's a one-sentence statement describing the clear and compelling long-term desire change you wish to see for your community. Next, you want to choose a name. But first, you need to make sure that the name that you've chosen, that is even available. And you can do that by checking with your state's business registration office. So if it's not available, you might have to go back to the drawing board. You could also do some Google searches to make sure that the name is available. Sometimes you might even want to go into GoDaddy and just type in that name to see if the web address is even available. If the web address isn't available, then nine times out of 10, the business name is not going to be available. Next, I know this might sound weird and I know someone might be listening and be like, "Mm -mm, don't do that. But yes, do this. Develop a business plan. 
Yes, a business plan. I know it's a nonprofit and it is not a for-profit, but have a solid nonprofit business plan that should include clear goals, target audience, fundraising strategies, and operations to attract donors and partners. Think of your business, your nonprofit business plan as your your financial plan. Because you might want to apply for a loan to purchase a building or property. This is what your business plan will be for. Now, don't confuse a business plan with a strategic plan. Two completely different documents that serve two completely purposes two completely different purposes. A strategic plan clarifies your organization's mission goals. It strengthens your organization's identity and it guides decisions for your organization. And that plan is about three to five years, preferably five years. And we're not going to talk about strategic plan because right now we're talking about just establishing yourself as a nonprofit. Okay. You might want to think about establishing some startup funds. Now, if you have funds already to the side to do some things, then that is awesome. And unless you are under the fiscal sponsorship of an existing nonprofit, which is possible, which I have a client that I'm working with now, they are under the fiscal sponsorship of an already established nonprofit, which grants, and when that happened, it grants you the opportunity to apply for funding and do some fundraising. You know, and if you don't have a fiscal sponsor, you'll need another way to establish some startup funds. And this can be done by asking for donations. And you can do this by talking about your mission and talking about what you want to do for the community. You know, there's a really good article that I'll link here in the show notes, and it's called Nine Reasons Why Fundraising is So Important for Your Nonprofit. And it's a really, really good article. So you should check it out when you get an opportunity. There are also platforms like GoFundMe. When I truly believe when used for all the right reasons is an amazing platform to use. Now, sometimes people use it for all the wrong reasons, but I really feel like GoFundMe is a really good platform to use for fundraising. There's also Donate Kindly, all one word, and Fundly. And these are really good places to start to do some fundraising, but you are definitely going to need some startup funds. Next, form a board. When you form your board, you want to recruit individuals who are passionate about your mission and they possess the diverse skills to provide guidance oversee some activities, not activities of staff, but board level activities, and contribute to fundraising efforts. Now, North Carolina law requires a minimum of one board member, but having at least five members with seven or more being preferable. This is recommended best practices here in the state of North Carolina. I hear you, North Carolina, with the one board member. (laughs) However, Dr. Sherry does not recommend that you have one board member and that one board member does not, is not you as the executive director. That one board member is you plus one. So that's essentially a board of two and that's not cool. I would not recommend that. You want to ensure that you have a board with varying voices for input and decision-making. So we always recommend that you have a board of maybe 
8 to 12. And we say 8 to 12 because most of the time your board is going to consist of individuals who work, who have businesses. So scheduling of board meetings might conflict with other priorities. So it's going to be important that you have good representation at your meeting for decisions because your monthly financials need to be approved at every board meeting. Your board minutes from the meeting before would need to be approved. And in order for those things to be approved, you need to have a proper number of individuals present for that approval. If you don't have your full board present, you need to at least have what they call a quorum. And a quorum is the I don't know if it's so much legal or the allowed amount of board members present to allow decisions to go forward. And that is the kind of stuff that needs to be outlined in your bylaws. And we'll get there in a second. So I hear you, North Carolina, but that one board member thing, that's going to be a negative with LC Consulting and Coaching. Now, I've also worked at and worked with organizations that have had 30 board members. Absolutely not. I do not recommend having that many board members. That is hard to manage, even for a board chair. That is really hard to manage. So I don't recommend something that big. So for your board, um, ensure they understand their roles and responsibilities. This is very crucial when you are recruiting board members. The responsibilities include, but are not limited to, selecting and reviewing the executive director's performance. You know, your board is responsible for the supervision of your executive director. So you, the person who wants to start a nonprofit, these are your supervisors. Your board chair is your supervisor. Let's see, recruiting new board members. Your board is responsible for that. Don't wait until a month before a board member is getting ready to leave to ask that board member to start looking for their replacement. That's unfair to them and it's unfair to your board. It is important that you stay in compliance with the number of individuals that need to sit on your board. If you put into your bylaws and if you filed that you would have this many individuals on your board and they would serve this many terms, please make sure that you are adhering to that. They oversee executive organizational planning. They evaluate the organization's performance. They provide financial oversight. So every year your board should come together and approve the budget for the year. They should be asking questions about the budget and the financials if they see something a little shady. Furthermore, you shouldn't be putting nothing shady in front of your board. I'm just saying. And ensuring that legal and ethical integrity is always upheld within the organization. The board's top priority should be clarifying the organization's mission and purpose. Your board should know the mission, vision, and purpose of the organization just as well as you do. They should be able to talk about your organization out in the community. This brings funding into the organization. This brings in-kind donations into the organization, and this could cultivate collaboration. You know, it is really important that you don't want your board working in your organization, but you want your board being able to speak about your organization in the community to benefit the organization. I hope that makes sense. Next, you should have some board committees. 
So an executive committee, your executive committee usually consists of your board chair, your board vice chair, your treasurer, and your secretary. Those are the four prominent positions of the board. These positions also have to be voted on by their peers. So like an election, not that serious of an election, if you know what I'm saying, but like an election. Um, Then you have your fundraising committee. Fundraising committee is usually responsible for helping like with your annual fundraiser and coming up with fundraising ideas. And then you have your personnel committee. Personnel committee is usually responsible for um, finding the successor when the executive director gets ready to leave. Um, we actually use the personnel committee when there are any grievance policies, any grievances that need to happen and those kinds of things. So those are the three committees. And sometimes people have um, different committees. They might have a policy committee. So if they want anyone to advocate on policy changes, they might have a policy committee on their board. It's really up to you. What's important is that everything is outlined in your bylaws. Next is incorporate your nonprofit. So when you're forming your nonprofit, you need to choose a legal structure. So you are either going to be a nonprofit corporation or an unincorporated association. And this varies by jurisdiction, but it always requires filing articles of incorporation with your state agency. And so for North Carolina, it's the North Carolina Department of Secretary of State. Your bylaws. So nonprofit organization, we use bylaws to outline the roles, responsibility, structure, which includes the decision-making process. Okay. After drafting your bylaws, if you can afford it, have them reviewed by a lawyer before you present them to your board for adoption. Now, if you cannot afford a lawyer, consider contacting a local university to check to see if they have like a law clinic that will do it pro bono. Or you can reach out to, I think the Small Business Administration, they have these, they're called SCORE offices around in your city and state to see if they offer that kind of support also. But you want to make sure that your bylaws are legally sound and aligned with your organizational goals before you present them to your board for adoption. So please remember that the steps and requirements for starting a nonprofit organization, they may differ based on your location and your country legal and regulatory framework. And I say your countries because not all of our listeners are in the United States. Hi, y'all. It's highly recommended that you seek advice from legal and financial experts to kind of understand nonprofit regulations in your city, state, or country, because you never, ever want to get in trouble on that end. Because that's what I like to call prison time. The information from the episodes that I am presenting on starting a nonprofit is based on North Carolina functions and requirements and other cities and states within the United States that I have worked at and clients that I am currently working with. Okay. So if you've listened to any of these episodes, so this episode, last week's episode, or the first episode on, so you want to start a nonprofit, and you realize 
least. You have a great idea for a nonprofit organization, but you don't want to lead it. That is perfectly fine. I swear to you, it is perfectly fine. Knowing your own limitation and boundary is commendable. It really is. It's important, however, that you understand how the organization will be led on a day-to-day basis and by whom. Even if you're not the right person to lead it, you can still play a valuable role in supporting its success. So if you decided to hire LC Consulting and Coaching to help you start this nonprofit and you decided, look, Dr. Sherry, I want to start this nonprofit because I believe in this work and I believe that my community needs it and I've done the necessary research that shows that my community needs it, but sis, (laughs) I ain't trying to lead it. I got you. When the time comes, we will help you find the right person to lead the organization. We commend you for knowing your boundary and we commend you for going in it knowing your boundary. Well, I hope you've gotten some good information today. So keep your dream or desire of starting a nonprofit in the forefront and we are here to help you make it a reality. And if you are still steadfast in that decision, stay tuned to next week's episode where we will continue to dig into the what and when. Now, if you would like some hands-on support during this process, all of my information is in the show notes or you can find me over on Instagram because, you know, that's my jam where I like to spread positivity, love, and light because human services work, social work, and nonprofit work, y'all, it is some hard work work okay until next week radical self-care is health care and kindness is free so do me a favor be kind to yourself first then be kind to somebody else i love you so much for listening bye